Welcome to episode, uh, well I suppose it's episode 209 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast, although it's a bit fuzzy that for reasons which will become apparent in a moment. Um, my name's Nick Page and here is my good friend Joe Davis. Well rather here he isn't because Joe isn't actually with us this week. Uh, the fact is he's having a bit of a rest this week. A lot of stuff has been going on, as I'm sure you're aware. He's had his mum's funeral and he's he's had a new computer installed today and this kind of thing is a big issue for a man uh, so technically challenged that he has trouble with a light switch. So, uh, and it, look, and it's not like he's taken the week off, actually. He's also recorded an interview today with Oliver Berkman, author of 4,000 Weeks, so we're, we're really looking forward to putting that out in the future. But the point is, after all that, we felt, well, I felt that he needed a bit of space. And I'm sure you join with me and wishing him well and um, generally telling him uh, you know to pull himself together I think I think that's how counseling works isn't it anyway the point is he's not with us this week uh, but I didn't just want to do another gap um, so instead we thought what we'd do is we'd, we'd take up a suggestion uh, which many listeners have, have given us in the past and put out a repeat and when I came to think about what repeat to issue my mind went back to last week uh, and something Joe said. So, so let's have a flashback. You're right. I mean, we haven't done our Christmas special, which is a shame because it is actually starting to get close to Christmas. And once again, people will be too busy for a Christmas special. So <laughs> sorry, folks, we, we might have to wait until June next year when it quietens down again. But... Uh, there you go. That was Joe last week talking about the missing Christmas episode, which for some reason he always um, associates with this time of year. I don't know why. So I thought, well, we can't record a Christmas episode at the moment, so let's repeat one. So here you go. This is a repeat of episode 76 from July uh, 2019. Um, those happy days uh, when <laughs> when the world was vaguely normal. Uh, we we called it the Christmas special in July. So I suppose we should really call this episode the Christmas special in July in August. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope we'll be back with you uh, next week, both of us, because, you know, it's not the same without him. I mean, it's better in many ways, uh, but it is, after all, part of his parole agreement that he does this kind of thing. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting the podcast. And thank you very much for being a real part of the community we we really feel that um so here you go uh roll roll the tape i don't know why i'm saying that because it, it's me editing it <laughs> happy christmas <laughs> i can't understand why we're doing this why no you why? know full well well because it's a christmasy time of year isn't it <laughs> oh have you bought me a present by the way oh for heaven's sake <laughs> Are you going to want me to put all jingle yes, bells? Yes, yes, yes. You've got to put the jingle bells on. Well, here's the thing. What you can you can take those jingle bells and you can <laughs> stick them right up your. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. 
everybody to episode 76 of the Midfaith Crisis podcast. <laughs> Lift up holy legs, put your anchor within the veil, we're back everybody. Happy Christmas everybody! Oh look, what? no, <laughs> really, really, why are you doing this? It's the Christmas special, it is the Christmas special. But it's July. Exactly. So therefore, there is not tons of decorating to do and cooking to be done and arranging <laughs> and family to meet and services to tend to and all that sort of thing. We could just talk about why Christmas matters. Okay. And because when it gets to Christmas, we'll all be too busy again. We the, said we uh, were going to do this and here we are. Well, no. Wait, so here's the thing, um, listener. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is what happens when we sort of alternate in terms of choice of subject matter. I, you know, I turn my back <laughs> for one minute. And he's he said we'll do Christmas. <laughs> no, we got to. This is the Christmas special. It is the perfect timing you, for it. I bet you genuinely wish it could be Christmas every day. I do. I actually. bet when you hear that song, it's kind of not <laughs> ironic for you. Do you know? I've discovered, and I only found this out recently. Some people don't play that song all year. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> you knew. How are you? And what have you been doing? Oh, uh, well, uh, I'm very well. Um, I I I went to Minsmere, Nick. You I'm did, not going to lie. I I just uh, yeah. I took a little retreat as I tend to do once was a year. Was that was that a kind of premeditated thing, or did you just kind of go? No. I'm going now. I'm getting up and going. It was a recognition that I hadn't taken a retreat on my own. I'd done the one with the fellas before, but I hadn't yeah. done one on my own this year. And I always try to do one in the year, so it was yeah. slightly premeditated. But there was a weekend with nothing in it, which is a rare occurrence, as I'm sure you can imagine. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I booked the cheapest, cheap, cheap room on Airbnb I could and stayed with a lovely uh, couple uh, in their spare room. And it was near Minsmere. So I, but here's the point. I arrived on the Friday and it's all open from dusk till dawn. So I got onto the reserve at about eight o'clock and I did not see another person the whole time. I had the entire reserve to myself. I saw wow. Bittens, I saw Marsh Harris. It was unbelievable. And the sun was out and shining. Now, Saturday, it clouded over. It poured with rain from two o'clock till 10 o'clock, pretty much all time. And then Sunday morning, I got up really early and went and it was sunny and clear and I had the whole place to myself again. Wow. And it was tremendous. And I read a fantastic book. I'm not going to go on about it because the author gets all funny and embarrassed. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, and I journaled and wrote loads. Oh, OK. Yeah. The RSPB should be paying you, I think. Yes. Because you are chief of the Minsmere Tourist Board, basically, aren't you? Bas- you're, you're, I, would you know. like to, I would like that job. You would, wouldn't you? Yeah. Anyway, so I'm yeah. well. And then uh, Monday night, what did we see? Uh, uh, well, Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Which I wasn't very enthusiastic about, but I actually really enjoyed it. That's good. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. What have you been up to? (laughs) Well, I uh, I've been well. It was Carnival. It was Carnival Day in in Ensham. uh, Ensham. Was it? Ensham Carnival. Yeah. It's the big day of the year. Must be. And yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great community occasion. Um, Were you the Carnival uh, Queen? (laughs) My. No, I've missed out again, sadly. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's a great occasion. Lots of lots of uh, uh, floats in the parade, and you know, all this kind of stuff, and all stuff down on the field, and 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 lots of um, stuff is drunk, and it's I, just wonderful. It rivals Rio, I would imagine. It, it very much like that. If you can imagine Rio with Morris dancing, that's <laughs> Ensham. 
And uh, so that was Saturday. And then I, I saw this great film. Uh, oh, not on, not in the, in the cinema. It's an old film, but it's called The Way, uh, with Martin Sheen. Ah, it's about yes. a man walking the. It is. Um, yeah, it's a great Camino. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have. Of course. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I really like that film. Mm. Mm. Very powerful. Very good. Uh, really good. And uh, I think I just saw it because you know, we were looking at pilgrimage films. And then I've discovered, I've got, I'm reading this book. You know about how when you hear about a book for years and years and years yeah. and you don't read it and then eventually you read it and you think, why didn't I read this <laughs> 25 years ago? What kind of <laughs> idiot am I? <laughs> anyway... But it's um, Annie Dillard, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've read it. I haven't read it. It's just, I just want to savour every really? word and sentence. and. What's it and, called again? Uh, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. Okay, right. And and I only read it because I'd read a book that she wrote on writing recently, which was very mm. good, and I thought, oh, maybe I should finally get round to reading this book that people mm. have been raving about for years. And all the, all the listeners will be out there going, well, you idiot, you know, of course you should read that. Well, you know, what's the matter with you? But um, I just eventually got yeah. round to it, and I'm, I'm revelling in it. Well, it's wonderful. So it's better late than never. There may be one or two listeners that haven't heard it, but you are right that our listeners are indeed a lot more astute than us. They are. They can be listening on no um, doubt. Well, they're not that astute. Because they listen to this load of drivel. <laughs> Apart from that one so inconsistency. There, is, there are some significant <laughs> character defects. Anyway, should we move on and get Can some feedback? We? So, mm. here it comes. Uh, firstly, uh, from Ian, who says, uh, Hi, Joe Nick. Uh, thanks for another episode uh, last week. I think it was actually two weeks ago. He says, I fully agree that we need to say something. But it has made me wonder why we are so quick to describe God in such a way that it seems that we have him fully defined. Perhaps more humility or caution or mystery about our communication would help us and other people to realise that we are trying to describe the indescribable. And then he says, a little parable occurred to me. I'm in Italy at the moment on business, relishing the 30 centigrade heat uh, with time on my own uh, in the evening to think. I'm learning Italian. I can describe the language to you. I can tell you a little about its grammar. I have enough vocabulary for a conversation and I know some of its history. None of that would help you to understand Italian very much. It needs to be experienced, to be spoken, read and especially listened to. I also know that I'm only a little way on that journey and that my efforts often feel very clumsy and inept. I thought about this yesterday as if to emphasise the point today. My Italian tutor, with whom I speak on Skype, told me that there are dozens of Italian dialects, each with their own vocabulary, grammar and literature. Most are not used much, of course, but no one can hope to master all of this. And then he says, I hate parables being over-explained, so I'm going to leave it at that. Which I thought was really, really helpful. So thank you Mm. for a parable, um, which we like uh, in terms of, you know, yeah, how we describe the divine. That's great. Uh, Great. Thank you. And then one from Andy. Andy with an I. Uh, So that's important distinction. Um, And Andy (laughs) says this. She says, uh, Nick and Joe, uh, sorry it's taken till episode 75 to write and say cheers for churning out your chirpy chat each week, helping me chew the Mm. cud on church and what it means to be Christ-like. I can't think of a better way to brighten up my bike rides than to click play on your latest episode allowing me to ponder as I paddle around Richmond pedal round Richmond Park. I used to run round Richmond Park, two laps. Oh, yeah. Aren't there parakeets in Richmond There are parakeets, Mm. and many deer, but probably more parakeets now. Yes, indeed. 
And so, says, I value the way your conversation invites me into an open and spacious place to think and ask questions, voice doubts or bewilderment when enabling me to chuckle at my flawed humanity and God's goodness. Delighted uh, to uh, to be with you. And she says this, for those of us undergoing mid-faith crisis with the charismatic evangelical community, I find the real challenge is how to be authentic about my questioning and re-evaluation while not discouraging others in my community. Mm. Your honesty about your own example and experiences are a great prompt to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly thank you andy that's uh wonderful thank you very Appreciate much that. yes that yeah. is the challenge isn't it yeah when we're always on this journey and yes you know time not to think that it's a journey of which makes us more superior to other people exactly right it, it's um difficult yeah. but thank yeah. you andy for that that's great and then Philip says this, I've been enjoying the podcast for some time, but I only just listened to the recent Thin Places episode. You asked for your stories of when we had such experiences, and then he wrote this. Every Friday morning, a few of us attend what we call Breathe, an opportunity to first be still for a while, listen to a short meditation, then walk along the River Thames in our own town. On one occasion, we walked up to the ruin mounds of our long-gone castle, and I stopped, turned to face the river and the sunrise, and just soak in the atmosphere. I remember seeing a few cattle wandering in the same space, some of them just standing like me. There's also a copse of trees on the open slope of the meadow down towards the river. I closed my eyes to just be for a moment and it felt as if I was completely absorbed by the environment. I felt completely connected to the grass, the soil, the trees, the cattle, the river, the sun. Everything completely united and indistinct. Yet I was still myself aware of and experiencing this union. It probably only lasted about five minutes, but it felt like forever. Sadly, he says, I don't put myself into this kind of situation often enough to enjoy the same or similar experiences, though I would love to do so. I know it can't be manufactured, but I can be predisposed to be open to the expectation of such glimmers of the bigger reality of creation. Thanks for encouraging me through my mid-faith crisis. I just love the way he described that whole experience. And... and um, and I just want to say, Philip, I, I had a similar experience on Friday night uh, on a reserve on my own over in Suffolk, uh, observing a sunset, seeing the most incredible birds. And just on my, just for a moment, you know, I was a part of it. It's really difficult to have the language to explain these kind of experiences. But it was more than just I'm enjoying looking at it. It was a sense of I'm part of it. Um, mm. Yeah, amazing. Great, thank you, Philip. Yes, brilliant, thank you. And then uh, Linda uh, wrote in, she says this, uh, thanks guys for the podcast, I'm a convert. Hallelujah. Uh, she uh, praise the Lord, I come did. forward. <laughs> she says, enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed the latest episode about pilgrimage. My other half and I go on our own pilgrimage, usually once every 12 to 15 months. We walk to the purported to be smallest parish church in England and also named our company after it, Colbone Church. The pilgrimage is an enforced pilgrimage as you can only walk to the Colbone. There are no roads. I think I could be slightly exaggerating the pilgrimage aspect. Walk slow enough and it could take at least one and a half hours each way. <laughs> we like it. We sit in the churchyard, look back over the previous year's thoughts, dreams and prayers and write down some more, eat our packed lunch and walk back again. Next time we do this, I think we will take on board some of Nick's suggestions of reading scripture along the way. Great idea. Keep up the good work. Linda. It is a lovely place. Have you been to Colbone? No. Where is it? It's uh, it's Leah. It's um on the North Devon coast. Uh, I think oh. it's there. It's um from Porlock. You can go there. Wow. Um, 
So, my you know, if we, if we if we manage to organise that Lee Abbey week uh, next year, people could uh, do that. It's, well, it's a tiny little, it's a very magical place. It's lovely. Good. And yeah. as I think I said to uh, Linda in my reply to her email, it's good to know Nick can have a good idea occasionally. Yeah, well, that's always encouraging. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's probably enough feedback for now. <laughs> it is. And anyway, talking of the opposite of good ideas. <laughs> that is harsh. Let's come it's on to Christmas. this episode. Now, come on. Why, why do you want to discuss? What was it that was really ignited in you that you want to? Yeah, do well, this. I, I, I think I've been threatening this for a long while. Um, Have you? It, well, it's you know, without wanting to get all grumpy old manish about Christmas, uh, but you do, you do hear people bang on about, oh, don't forget the real meaning of Christmas, like they know and you don't, and. Um, <laughs> You know, so that's irritating anyway. Yeah. But the point is where I have sympathy for this is, you know, how how are you supposed to do that when you're so flipping busy? Yeah, um, yeah. And everyone is busy at Christmas. It's a ridiculous time to actually think what I need to be doing is taking stock of one of the most important doctrines there are. Because... <laughs> Actually, you will miss being with family and doing all the other good things associated with Christmas. And in any case, um, I think what sort of annoys me is annoy the right word. Uh, it's probably the safest word and it doesn't require bongos. What upsets me a bit is <laughs> it's, it's just become so ridiculous. The whole Christmas thing uh, on so many levels, you know, this kind of Disney-esque birthday party for Jesus. Uh, when in reality it should be more Tarantino, and I realise having <laughs> written that that that, I, that that's in your book as well. You you make a similar point about um, comparing, you know, the, the sort of modern understanding of the Bible when they should be more Tarantino. I'm yes, pretty sure you lifted yes, it there, which yes. I enjoyed. Um, but no, I don't want to be a, a grumpy spoil sport about all these things. But the facts are, you know, how we celebrate and the story we tell about Christmas really often doesn't have much to do with what the Bible's telling us. Well, I think it's the, the one, the good thing about sort of detaching it is it's very hard to talk about, for example, the real historical yeah. setting, as it were, of Christmas at Christmas. Yeah. Because it's, it's, you, it's, you have, you're going to have to deconstruct some of it. Exactly. And nobody wants to deconstruct the nativity story at Christmas. No, especially if their kids are in the nativity. Yeah. So, um, I mean, one of the things that, that I've written at length about in um, The Wrong Messiah, for example, yeah. is about um, the fact that there was no inn. Mm. There's, there's no inn in the Christmas story. There, there, it's translated mm. as that, but it's, the word is cataluma. So when Luke says there's no inn, there's no room in the cataluma. Cataluma really means spare room. Um, it doesn't mean yeah. inn. Uh, so later we, think, on, we think it means premier inn. Yeah, well, or we travel, think, yeah, or exactly. at least travel lodge. So, so uh, yes, so it, it means um, it, it's normally applied to spare room, which was actually sort of either built on top of the house, roof of the house, or it was the space at the back of, of the house if it was carved out of a, uh, the rock, if it was a cave kind of dwelling or something like that. Um, and so uh, we think, uh, you know, the, the, because because it's been translated in that from that comes the whole two thousand years of. Yeah. Really bad PR for innkeepers, yeah. who kept saying there's no room, there's no room, there's no point. There's no point. Does an innkeeper appear in the story? <laughs> um, there wasn't an inn, as far as we know, near Bethlehem. There might have been one a bit, a bit on the road out of Jerusalem. But 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 
But if... actually, it's the problem. That what the story depicts is that um, Joseph goes back for whatever reason, and there's lots of controversy about that. But he goes back for whatever reason to his hometown. The home that is really crowded. There is no spare room for them in the yeah. family home. He wouldn't have needed it in. He comes from Bethlehem. Yeah. It is his hometown. So he's got family. So he yeah, yeah. He's got family. There was no room in the spare room, so they put them further down, and they put the baby in the manger, which is built into the house, and it's because you brought your animals in at night to provide you with heat. Oh. So the story is actually not about exclusion. It's about they found room for him anyway, yeah. and they put him in the heart of the house, and it well. was simple peasant dwelling. So the, the, the historical story is not about a load of hard-hearted innkeepers kicking people out and saying that, you know, we haven't got any... Yeah. You don't have to go around the back into the stable. Yeah. The stable was in the house anyway. Yeah. So there, there was no real stable. So there? it is in a story case. of inclusion, of if you like incarnation, of of God coming into the heart of a peasant household, and um, you know that I, I'm, that's probably as much detailed history as I'm going to do. But you yeah, know it's, that that, no, that kind of plays into what you're saying is that that's the real thing about Christmas. Absolutely, and you know we can pick about various points, and I, I think it's been done, and we don't really need to do that at all. But I think the point is. This thing that we call incarnation is the more you sort of ponder that thought, um, the more and more important it seems to me that 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 idea is that that you not just Emmanuel, God with us, but that God is incarnate in a human person. And that's Mm. that's a really important thing for us to dwell on. Firstly, in terms of Jesus. And, and why Jesus is so important is because, you know, as we discussed a few episodes back, you know, we, we can say this about God and we can say that about God and we can pontificate about whether God's a man or a woman or a spirit and how that works and where God is and, you know, where might God be residing. And I think someone said, I think John Martin said, you know, about well, where is Jesus now? If he's in his resurrected body, where is that actual resurrected body? And, you know, we can have all these interesting sort of theological concepts. But the point is... It's hard to love a concept. Mm. But if God's a person, you can love a person. You can understand a person. You can follow a person. So really obvious point number one. We should really take Jesus seriously. And I think that's why all the stories are written about Jesus and all the you know the birth stories and you know you can have another conversation about how literal the virgin birth is and how did you know I kind of I want to move us a bit beyond that kind of stuff, to say, what does this mean? Why do people find it so important to write down all these things about Jesus? Because Jesus is revealing something very important about the nature of God to us. And actually, if we can see it in a person, we can understand it and we can copy it, we can follow it, we can emulate it, because we're human beings too. So, I mean, that's that's a really important thing for us to get our heads around. And as we said many times, you know, Jesus did not go around asking for worship. He never asked anyone to worship him. You know, you think sometimes in the modern church, you would think that's the whole deal, that we are born to just sing songs about how great Jesus is. But Jesus, Jesus' mission was not to get people to worship him. And he even refused it on some occasions. What Jesus did was invite people to follow the way. Oh. And, um, and 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 what I like about the story and about the that the whole of the gospels really is the 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 reality of them, the incarnate nature of them, the humanity of them. Yeah. 
And it gets filtered out so often so that Jesus becomes this ethereal figure. Yes, um, yes. You forget about the, you know, so, so you get little, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, or, you know, little little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Well, what a load yeah. of tosh. Exactly. You can't be a baby. What, what was he, what did he do? Sort of make signs in the air or something about being fed or, you know. <laughs> I suppose he switches halo on and off. Maybe like like yeah. semaphore. No, what is it? What's that thing? Is it semaphore when you sort of blink it? What is it? Flags. Yeah. Oh no, semaphore's flags. What's the what's the dot dash one? Oh, that's Morse Morse code. code. Yeah. So he's so what he did is he lay there with his halo illuminating yeah. the hay, and uh, and he switched it on and off for the sign for milk, and Mary managed to do that. Um, but no, it's it, of course he was. That, that there's that humanity. I remember years ago, and it's yeah. a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. But I remember years ago teaching somewhere. I think it was uh, one of the uh, spring harvest site in France, and somebody came up to me and said, "I've got a question for you," and and your heart always sort of mm. skips a slight beat at this point. And he said, to him, "You know, Jesus was God, and Jesus was man." And I said, mm. "Yeah." He said, "What percentage was it? Yeah, of yeah. each." Yeah. And I said, seven. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know the answer, you know. But it, right. and of course, you can't answer that. But the early church had many arguments over that and, and how that worked, and none of which have helped anybody. And, course, really. and the most unhelpful thing we can think is that it was fifty percent of both. Yes, uh, because yes. if that's the case, then he's not like you or me no. at all. No, uh, nothing like us, because he's Superman. Um, I think there's an illustration you could do that. I think Dermot McCulloch does it in one of his uh, series where he sort of talks about oil and water. You know, so you can have mm. the the oil and the water um, separate, and then yeah. but if you shake them, oil and vinegar, I suppose it would work yeah. as. Let's let's yeah. do salad dressing. Okay. You know, Thank but you. but if you shake them, you yeah. get them all mixed up. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like it's it's it, it's not two separate bits. That's the, that's was no. It. But it, but all the, all of this it kind of brings us back to the, you know, apophatic cataphatic because all of the bits yeah. are describing. In a way, how it doesn't doesn't work. Yes. It's very hard to describe how it does work. Well, because it's a mystery how all of a hundred percent of God can become a hundred percent human. So it is a mystery, and it's a yeah. it is a the principle of incarnation does seem to me to be how God operates quite a lot. So that yeah. raises the question of: Is it just t- Jesus we're talking about? It, you know, yeah, exactly. what other incarnations? No, exactly. Happens. No, that's so important. That's such a great question. I love this Franciscan line. They say that creation is God's first Bible. So that, in fact, in fact, they say you'll, you'll never understand the second Bible if you don't understand the first Bible. And the first Bible is just nature. Look out your window and look at the world around you. That's going to reveal something about God because God incarnated something of Himself into creation. That's interesting. Yeah. What's it's... the second Bible? The Bible. Oh, well, there's Bi- the Bible. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Bible. And so what? And so what? What's Jesus doing? Jesus is fully incarnating um, the divine nature to right. us. And but the but the question I think we raised this when we talk about Jesus once before. The the question I always want to ask is: so what's the difference between Jesus and you? You know, physically, what's the difference? Um, you know, he was a man. You're a man. Or oh, but he was God. So. So what are you? Are you not God? Is there any ontological difference between you and the person of Jesus of Nazareth? And I, I my personal thoughts on that 
stumbling, falteringly, probably wrong, but giving it a go is no, absolutely no difference. Jesus was a human being, just like you and me. And 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 as I said, this incarnation as and, and and you know, I know I banged on to this about this rather too much. The question is not does God exist? The question is, does anything else exist in all of creation? Actually, all we have is incarnation all around us. All we have is God. So we learn about God studying this world and studying nature and studying the universe and and, and being with one another and in love, I would say. But there you go. I've, I'm banging on too much here, quite probably. But, you know, C.S. Lewis and, and, you know, me talking to you about C.S. Lewis, let's just enjoy that moment of irony um but um, but you know in his his uh what was it an essay or a sermon the weight of glory it's a sermon yeah yeah it was a sermon and he you know he was making the point that he says human glory is veiled that if we really saw how how fearfully and wonderfully and our true nature of a human being we we wouldn't really be able to stop ourselves worshiping mm. a human being so God has veiled the glory of human beings, but still put himself in them. You see, it is Christ in us. It's not Christ outside us. It's not Christ outside us just creating us. It is Christ actually incarnating mm. Christ's self in all I things think, and in us. I think that's... Oh, there's a lot to think oh, about there. There's a lot to think about there. And that's I'm, I'm, I'm just reflecting rubbish. on... No, well... <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 that it is that, and yet it isn't that. No, I just oh. I'm reflecting on it uh, and why I have a. Uh, when you say there's no difference between Christ and us, yeah, I find that quite a challenging thought. Yeah, I think you might be right, but I don't know why I find that a challenging thought. I suppose it's how it's expressed because, hmm. you know, we can have the mind of Christ. Paul says that, for yeah. example. Um, and and it was something that was embodied in the early church that they they, it's, I only realised this recently, and I probably have banged on about it on the podcast. It gets as the episodes go on, it becomes increasingly difficult to remember what you say. <laughs> so I do we never joked we do this many to be fair. But, uh, no, no, we were only planning four. Um, and and that the early church had this thing when you were baptised that um, you would uh, uh, take off all your clothes. Uh, which would make it much more entertaining nowadays, I think. Mm. You take it off all your clothes and go down into the baptism pool mm. and die, as it were, yeah, and re become resurrected yeah, and put on new clothes the other side, and yeah. then you would be anointed. Yeah. And anointing, the Greek word for anointed me, is, is Christ, Christos. Mm. Yeah. So th they were actually embodying it, that you were yeah. literally yeah. becoming... So were you a like Christ? Christ. You were a Christ, yeah. in a sense. You were anointed. Yeah. Now, I think they would also say that there is, there's got to be some kind of difference. There is a qualitative difference, I feel, in my yeah. life between me yes, and Jesus. Oh, of, of course, yeah, yeah. But, but it. But the quality. Or maybe it's a quant. Maybe it's a quantitative difference. Well, maybe it's just the amount of Christ well, actually that well, is shining I, through me. I, I don't know. That. I, I think the can't difference that one is, out. you know, to use Jesus's language and metaphors, the quality of the relationship with the Father. Right. So Jesus. So Jesus, the Christ, was able to say, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
Whereas, yeah. you know, I think you and I might not go around saying <laughs> that. I think we might say, well, you know, on our good days, you might see a bit of what God looks like. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, it's a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> I feel it depends how long my beard is. That's whether yeah. I can say that. But, yeah, so can I just say one more thing about incarnation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to come back on that. I don't want to come back on the idea of humanity, but you come back, you, can, you do one Well, more I don't want to make an overly long episode because we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours but the, just the points that really strike me is why this is so important for me and has helped me is you know I think the way you start your gospel journey it's it's all about the afterlife the after and we've talked about this as well the afterlife is what really matters I mean what really happens in the 60 70 years 80 years we get doesn't really matter compared to all eternity so we've really got to make sure we got our you know our ducks in a yeah. row for then because you know what's what's a few piffling years on earth compared to all that and i think what incarnation does is it firmly rebukes that idea and and, and balances that off it's not incarnation is not saying the afterlife doesn't matter but what incarnation is saying is this life really matters you know the, the this this blood and this flesh and this incarnate life and every moment of how we live together and how we live in relationship with the planet and nature and with one another and how we live with our enemies, uh, which is a particularly topical thought uh, for these days. This stuff really matters. You know, if you're unhappy about injustice, don't just wait for God to sort it out in the afterlife. <laughs> you know that that is not a biblical teaching that's yeah, not a biblical yeah. view of income do something about it today now yes. you know we're here to to be you know channels of the kingdom of god joining our human kingdoms with god's kingdom living under the reign of god i'm using all these metaphors again and i kind of want to explain them all but we don't have time so so live your life to the glory of God under the reign of God, but recognising that every part of your flesh and blood matters mm. and therefore all your actions matter and everything about this life matters and your bank balance matters and what you do with your money and everything, the whole of life matters. That's, this is, I think for me, this is the heart of how I've understood incarnation and why it's so important. Now there is no sacred secular divide. Now there is no part of my life that is somehow mystically more important to God and the other bits are less important to God because everything that I do matters to God. That's in, and all matter matters. Yes. You know, and uh, so line. when you were talking, saying that C.S. Lewis um, mm, quote, mm. I heard this somewhere, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I think it's an orthodox teaching. You know the transfiguration yeah. where Jesus goes up up the mount and he suddenly gets yeah. all glowy white. Gets glow he gets a ready brick thing. He gets all ready bricked, glowy yeah. white, and um, Elijah and Moses appear. And, yeah. and, the, yeah. and the normal kind of teaching of that is that that's like the heavenly Jesus sort of appearing, yeah. as it were. Yeah, but I think one of the Orthodox teachers and I, I someone will help me find out who argued that actually what that was was that Jesus was at his most human at that point. That, ah, that actually that excellent. was what true humanity looks like, and it glows. Yes. Wow. It it and and as Lewis said, most of the time we couldn't 
spare it if we saw it. But their their argument well, is at that point he's just letting it. He, you know, his 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 perfection, as it were, as a human being, is is revealed. You know, and I think I that's I, a totally different way of looking at it. Do you know, I understand that. I remember one sort of very profound experience I had uh, in India. Uh, it was in Delhi, and I visited... Uh, Mother Teresa had a place in Delhi as well, not just Calcutta. I mean, I suppose it was an expanding franchise, I don't know. But um, <laughs> So you're in this stinky, smelly, bustling uh, city. And then we went round the corner, and these gates opened, and there were these young nurses, who were nuns, just with all these disfigured babies. There were kids, babies there with no arms and no legs. Mm. They'd been dumped on the streets. Mm. by their parents and they were there loving and caring for them and and it was like a glow i mean is it, i guess it yeah. wasn't a real glow um you know i'm sure there was no ready breath glow but i don't <laughs> that that moment i mean i just i broke into tears and I, and you know it's one of those take off your shoes you're in seriously holy ground in this moment yeah. if you can't see god here you're never going to see god you know it's just such a profound moment so i get that glowy yeah, thing. I really do. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm. No, no, that's point, really, but, that's know, a really, maybe, no, that's not, maybe not at all. when we truly love and truly give ourselves the way Jesus did, maybe we get a bit of a glow thing going on. I don't know. Well, there we go. Um, an unusual Christmas episode in so many ways. But what I want and... to say is, hang on to this as the 25th of December draws near, because. Because this is incredible stuff. You know, we always think, well, at this time, oh, Emmanuel, God with us, that's nice, but we're a bit busy. No, God, <laughs> God is so fundamentally, foundationally with us, in us, around us, in everything, in all things and in you. That means you absolutely matter. Oh. Excellent. Well, happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas, everyone. And we'll be back in a week's time with, I don't know, probably something on Easter or something. Who knows? <laughs> well, I've got to go get my chestnuts roasting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. OK, well, thanks very much for being with us. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas.